Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. I'm going back to work. I ain't got to explain myself to you. So you actually have an explanation. We'll be fine. I don't think you will be. How in the world did the two of you create something so great as your daughter? I just don't get it. Have you thought of that? Sometimes I want to be on my own. But I don't want to. Would you get fired or something? No, I, I just I can't get back to work till I can pay someone to watch the baby. This is the only good paying job for 200 miles. Who's the mama? But we are talking about her education. I don't really know much about it, but anybody that loans money to strangers. Yeah, all right, fair. fair. I'm not actually going there. So. Is that all you're worried about? No. Come on, what makes you so special? <gasps> you get to know love me. You don't know why I'm so special. Let me think. Nope, no idea. Hold on, honey. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 489. Releasing December 20 on video on demand is A Place Called Home, a drama that stars Ben Gavin as Levi, a recently widowed father who finds himself marooned in a sea of grief as his responsibilities as a provider for his children become increasingly strained. An emotionally raw, beautifully crafted and superbly performed drama a Place Called Home also marks a feature film debut of Kyle Fulton, who joins me now on the podcast. Kyle, thank you so much for your time today. Hi, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. So it's really interesting just reading up there with some research on this movie. So you actually wrote this film way, way back when like you were in film school. Um, you like, well, at least the initial draft of it. So I guess the, the first question I have is the most obvious. What was it about uh, what was going on with you at that time that really kind of inspired this story because it is a film that's film filled with a lot of raw emotions and really kind of like you know pressing kind of serious themes i'm just really curious about what was going on with you at that time that kind of created uh this story that people are going to watch very soon sure uh yeah i definitely i started writing it while i was in film school while i was working full-time 
And I wanted to sit down. I wanted to walk out of film school and be prepared to put something out there outside of shorts, outside of drafts. I wanted to write something that I felt like I could accomplish, that I could create. And the story, the writing of the story in my personal life honestly became a little bit macabre. I was, uh, at the time, my wife had just had our second daughter. And so a little bit of it came from the idea. I had two young daughters at the time. And it became this very grueling exercise of what would I do if I lost my spouse? Mm. And so it, it wrapped in that idea mixed with where I came from. Yeah, I was I grew up in uh, this uh, very rural South of America. And just it kind of combined those elements together of just what would I do in that situation? What if I didn't have the opportunities to travel and kind of explore different areas of the world and and it just became those that kind of exercise. So it was really funny as I was writing it, I would go home at night and I would just hug my wife for, you know, a solid 10 minutes. Like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine what my life would be like if suddenly you were to pass. And now I have, you know, children to raise on my own because it's, it's, it's very, very difficult. So before this feature, you worked on a whole bunch of short films. Um, and so when you're working on the feature, that comes with a, a certain amount of kind of like diving in a deep end, right? I mean, it's, it's a much yeah. bigger enterprise. You have so many cast and crew you have to take care of. Um, and not only that, you're not only dealing with the creative side of stuff, you also start dealing with the business side of filmmaking as well. And you're doing all of these, if I'm not correct, while you are also working full time. Um, yes. <laughs> so what was that first kind of like um, – thing that kind of hit you kind of like a cold bucket of water when you kind of approach trying to do this film this feature film uh, because um like I like I said before there's so many processes that go with it but I'm just curious what was the first kind of thing that really kind of make you uh you know stand up and say oh man this is this is getting really real right now yeah I was lucky that I was surrounded by some great people uh our producers Nathan Bannister and Adam Bova really helped but I remember when we were having those initial conversations with people who we thought might want to invest in the project, those were really difficult conversations and and just really ones that opened my mind to, man, I'm really going to ask for this. We're really going to try to make this happen. Uh, and then once that happened and we were able to secure a little bit of a budget for the project, probably then dealing with the Screen Actors Guild, that was, you know, something that I'd have, I'd have, I have had some experience uh, with on some of the larger short films that I've been a part of, but not to the scale of, okay, you're going to do a feature. You're going to have to, you know, work with us, with our union. We're out in LA having conversations and some of those complicated matters that happen in the middle of that when film school teaches you a lot of how to make a movie, but there's a lot of these business sides mm. that sometimes fall between the cracks where you're just learning as you go. I feel like even now there's still things that are catching me off guard. Like, okay, now I understand how that happens. Now I understand, you know, how these things impact. And I think probably dealing with SAG was that first one where it was like, oh man, I've got to put on my adult pants and like really understand what, uh, what needs to happen uh, mm -hmm. for this project to get off the ground. You shot the film in Kentucky and um, you were like raised in rural, rural Kentucky, weren't you? Yes. Was it always a given that this story had to be shot, not particularly in Kentucky, but at least in the American South? Is this a story that's really kind of uh, attuned with that geographical location in America? I mean, could this story could have been done in California, could have been done in, in, in I don't know, uh, northern states, or does it 
really have kind of like a lyrical kind of like philosophical resonance with the, the place that you grew up in? I think it does have that resonance of it being in the American South. I think the story could have translated to anything. It's a very universal story because yeah. families exist everywhere. So I think there could have been just slight changes and put it in any location. But for me, I wanted to tell this story because a lot of times you'll hear, especially for first-time filmmakers, they'll somebody will tell them, write what you know. And I think filmmakers take that to an extreme and they just write their life and they say, oh, this is a story where it's not really the case. But I wanted to make sure that I wrote in such a way that there were a few things that I really truly understood. And growing up in the rural South was one of those and then being a dad was the other. So by blending those two together, my hope was that we could shoot in the rural South. And like you said, instead of shooting in like a California or even on the East Coast, which is where I was located at the time, when you go to some place that's really small, um, and we're talking my hometown population that I grew up in is under a thousand people. Um, when you go someplace like that, it's a big deal. And we knew that we'd have access to a lot of other things that we might not have access to in a Washington, D.C. or in Atlanta, uh, because films are shot there all the time. Where we go here, you have a one on one conversation with the owner of the Piggly Wiggly, which is a grocery store in my hometown. And they're much more willing to be, yeah, let's do this. Let's you know, help you out and give you a place to be able to do these, uh, to shoot these scenes. So I really wanted it there, but it is a very universal story that could be translated to really any place, any culture. I think that's something that works in the favor in regards to sh shooting it down in the South is, um, especially where the, the home is located is that there's a sense of isolation in regards to it. Yeah. Um, Levi has this beautiful home. He has an acreage on there. Um, and, you know, he said, does say in the movie that, like, work, you know, the, the job that he has at the moment is the best work he can find in, like, in that that kind of area. And school is a little far away as well. I think that's kind of, like, a really important aspect, isn't that, that he kind of seems to be adrift from everyone else? Yeah, a little bit. And, I mean, that is that area of the South, is there are, you know, hundreds of people that live just out, sometimes we call it out in the boonies uh, or out in the sticks. They live out kind of very isolated from where everyone else is. And the idea that this is the best job for, you know, so many miles, a lot of the areas in the American South where I grew up in, there is, you know, one factory and that factory supports thousands of homes. Mm. And that is the opportunity. And then if you have people that haven't had the chance to gain further education, you know, they might have a high school degree. Maybe they don't at all. Maybe they don't have a, you know, high school degree at all. Uh, there are, it's very limited opportunities. There are opportunities there, but it's, but it's limited. And if you lose that one, you're you're going to really, really feel the strain of anything else that's surrounding you. But yeah, it definitely has an isolationist feel to it. Uh, and it's really common. It's really common in that area. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by TeePublic. TeePublic is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, public is sure to have something you will love. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Amazon. The world's leading online store, Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, 
request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. Uh, the character of Levi is really interesting in that, you know, he's almost kind of like aloof in a sort of way, and you can kind of understand, mm-hmm. understand that because he's just been hit by a double whammy of, number one, his wife passing away, and number two, all of a sudden, not only being the um, the 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 home uh, the provider of the home in regards to like money, but also in regards to emotional support and raising his children on his own, um, and, and dealing with a lot of responsibilities that was never really in his uh, ballpark uh, when he's um, when his wife was alive. Um, and and then on the other side of the of the equation, there's a stubbornness, there's a pride, where he doesn't want to take on any type of assistance from anyone. It's kind of like it's okay, I'll do it on my own. It will all sort itself out, which I think is a I think in a in a lot of ways, uh, Kyle. I think it might be a very male thing, uh, don't you think? In regards to that whole aspect of the pride and the stubbornness and the the um, the inability, uh, in a sense, to to ask for assistance uh, from even those closest to you. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. the The theme of the film, in my mind, is it's okay to ask for help. Yeah, and it's it's a very male intrinsic thing to be nope i've got it it's okay i can handle this i can do x y and z i don't need this additional support and so yes it's dealing with the emotional fallout and the financial fallout and the devastation of this loss but he has to be able to come to terms with he might not be able to do it all by himself he's going to have to rely on others to be able to raise his children uh, and so, yeah, you're hitting the themes, how the themes, you know, intersect with the plot and exactly what Levi is going through. He's very aloof. He's very stubborn because he doesn't know how to process this. He's not a a big emotional person. He doesn't say what he's feeling. He doesn't sit down and talk about his feelings. He compresses it until it eventually, you know, bubbles out uh, or something worse happens. And I think something that happens with him is that he kind of creates a lot of obstacles in his life that shouldn't really be there. But because, yeah. I mean, in I think the whole nature of life when you're living paycheck to paycheck, and it's something that I can really relate to as well as a as a freelance writer and, and you know, freelance writing, uh, I think in a lot of ways, kind of like any type of other artistic endeavor, whether it be filmmaking or anything else, is really about one gig after the other. Yeah. Um and I think the thing about uh, Levi is that not only is he living uh, paycheck to paychecks, but a lot of times there are obstacles that are put in your way that you just can't help, but uh, you have to deal with them, right? And um, But the thing with him, it just seems like he's generating a lot of obstacles. Um, it's almost kind of it's almost a self-destructive kind of tendency uh, there, I, I kind of felt from him. Yeah, it's funny. We've talked about my director of photography, Aaron Von Busick, and I have talked about this before that the movie really probably could have been wrapped up in 15 and tw- 15 or 20 minutes if he just knew what to do. Mm. You know, if he just knew who, if he understood that he could ask for help, I, you know, I think there would have been enough people around him to at least offset it, but because of his unwillingness and his really depression from the loss of his spouse, yeah, he, he makes it so much harder on himself than it ever had to be. Um, Yeah. I think it's going to be a, a movie, um, A Place Called Home will be a movie that a lot of people will resonate with because it's really hard out there these days. It really is. Yeah. Um, it's not, you know, just a lower class problem anymore. The middle class has been affected um, just as um, harshly, maybe not to the same degrees that uh, other people might be. But um, 
things are getting more expensive, uh, work is becoming more scarce, uh, resources, prices for that stuff's going up as well. So I think uh, there are a lot of people suffering out there. And, um, and I'm just kind of curious, in, in any of the kind of screenings that you had so far for the film in various festivals and stuff before um, going uh, your national release on December 20, um, have you had people come up to you and, and talk to you about how the film has resonated in, in, in any way? Because uh, I, I'm definitely uh, one of them. Yes, 100%. I think, I think you're absolutely right with the difficulties and that face 99% of the world's population. One of the best ways that I've heard it said is that any given person is honestly one or two bad mistakes away from poverty, Mm. but you are 30 to 50 really solid positive things to becoming a millionaire. You are so much closer to that than you are the other. And it's not just, it's not just the people who, are already impoverished. It's people that might have an okay job, but you don't realize you are living paycheck to paycheck. So suddenly you lose, you know, your partner, you have medical bills, you are already living paycheck to paycheck. So it just, it just quantifies. And as we were going through the festival circuit at, you know, different States, we absolutely had people that came up to us and said, you know, I really connected with this. Those people really exist. Uh, and this is something that when people were walking away from it, especially if we had, couples watching it they i heard them talk about you know those kind of long hard conversations that i hope when you watch this at the end of it 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 forces you to hug your family a little tighter and maybe have a difficult conversation with the people that are surrounding you of just knowing what to do if something like that were to happen and that's not a conversation that people like to have it's not an easy conversation uh but it's something that we probably should know if you have a significant other. What happens if they're gone? What happens if the if both of you pass and you have children? What happens to if you have other family you're taking care of? And so it absolutely resonated and it forced people, I heard them having those conversations of walking out of the, you know, theater of the screening and a husband turning to his spouse and saying, "Oh my gosh, what would I do?" Mm. You know, and I know the car ride home that night was, "Okay, here's what we would do, here's this, here's that." Um but yeah, it absolutely resonated and there were people that saw the movie that were you know, what I would consider extremely well off. And there were people that weren't, and they all kind of walked away from that with that same idea of, man, it's, it wouldn't take much. For me, I think a place called home kind of speaks to a few uh, different things. Number one, about how tenacity is something that really needs to be established in anyone's life. You've got to be able to just keep getting back up and, and keep moving forward. You can't, you can't be marooned in the sort of way that, uh, that Levi is in the film sometimes can't help it. People do get through into a mental funk and that happens, but, but it also speaks to the importance of having a support system as well. Um, You know, in regards to Levi, that one person he had in his life was just taken from him and then he felt like he had no one, but that's not true. He had so many people like, I mean, there's scenes in the film where he has friends and, there's these kind of really kind of like sweet natured, uh, but really kind of awkward scenes of male bonding in the movie, yeah. which I think is real uh, true to to real life in regards to that. But he also has some family, which I think he he had to learn to kind of like open up his uh, his mind and his heart to. Um, and but and well, I'm just 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 on that note though. But when it comes to you being a filmmaker, independent filmmaker, um, that nature of having a support system that's found very much um, in your cast and crew right i mean you you oh, have your, a crew with you and your crew becomes your community your community becomes your family and 
and how important is it to to be able to really bring a, a, a crew together, a community together to make a film like this? Because from what I understand, a lot of people took their vacation time to make the film. Some people maybe even quit their jobs to do it. Um, and you have to really appreciate that kind of uh, sacrifice that people make to to bring this vision to the screen. Yeah, I've talked to my cast and crew a bunch at different times, you know, throughout the process of how grateful I am for them to be able to do this. Now, we we scheduled it in such a way that we could shoot in the summer, so it affected almost no one's schedule. But uh, my director of photography was was already, who said about quitting the job, was already considering transitioning to a new job. And uh, he took this as an opportunity to say, OK, I'm going to I'm going to pull the, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to quit this job. We're going to finish this. And then I can pick right back up with uh, what I want to do. And that's been great for him. He's now, you know, he's in IATSE. He's doing a bunch of stuff all over the place. But it absolutely, it takes it, it takes a family to be able to do that. And surrounding yourself with those people that are willing and interested in the story and the creative aspect to come in and absolutely make that. And with Levi, it's the same thing. He has that support system. Now, he doesn't fully recognize it at the time. But, you know, he's got... Friends, he has his in-laws, which is a whole other thing because they didn't get along beforehand and now they're forced to with, you know, the passing of his wife. But it absolutely takes that in independent film and any art, you're going to have to have at least a couple people that are near to you and dear to you that you can trust and that you can lean on. Maybe not as much as going out and, you know, making a feature film, but enough that you can bounce ideas off of them, that you can have conversations because, if you truly feel like you're an artist that you want to make these things, that you want to be creative, you have to find avenues to be able to do it. Um, Cause the longer you don't do it, the further you get away from it. And all of a sudden it's five years, 10 years. I haven't done anything. I haven't made anything. Uh, and that's where at least personally, it's where my soul feels the most free is mm. when I'm out and creating things. Yeah. I'm just saying here as well. And I think what's something that you and I and, and Levi and so many other of, of us having common is that our families are such an important integral part into making sure that we can go out there and do this work. I know, I know for mm. myself, I was saying before about, you know, kind of like us guys working from gig to gig, um, how important it is to, that I have uh, my wife and be able to support me in that vision and, and really kind of like, you know, when I'm not finding, having that work, she's like, it's okay, I got you and having that support there. And I know at the end of your movie, uh, you dedicate the film, you know, <laughs> to to your girls. It says for my girls, and I imagine not only is that for your daughters, but that's for your for your wife as well. And I'm sure oh, that's 100%. a really important aspect to it all, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. That was um, that was kind of a hush hush thing. It was it was really fun to be able. My wife specifically hadn't seen the movie until the first film. Uh, no, it was one of the film festivals I specifically didn't want her to see, you know, on some computer, I was like, Hey, come to a theater, you know, watch it. Yeah. And so she got to see that for the first time. She had no idea it was dedicated in that way, but it absolutely is dedicated to what I say, my girls, you know, my oldest two, And then my wife, because it does take that support system. When I was writing it, I was working full time. I was in film school. So my average day was I would get, I would go into work about seven or 8 AM and I'd work, I'd have classes, and then I'd write that night until nine o'clock, 10 o'clock that night. And that happened for several months. And then once the money was in place, it, it didn't stop. We were in pre-production, we were casting, we were watching videos, we were uh, shot listing, we were doing contracts, we were buying gear. So there was a large season of my life where I spent 
on average, I was gone 15 to 16 hours a day away from the home. And knowing that when I got home, you know, I'd have something to eat. My wife was, you know, taking care of the children. Uh, I'd have clean clothes. You, you don't think it's a big deal, but all of a sudden it's like, oh man, I need something clean to wear. Mm. And yeah, it absolutely takes a, a village to make that happen. Not plus, you know, my wife and my children being so much of a muse for this film creatively, but also physically, they did so much for me during that time. And they still do um, day in, day out. They're, they're, they are a rock that I can rely on. So for everyone out there listening, December 20 on Video On Demand, A Place Called mm-hmm. Home, I really recommend everyone check this film out. Um, I was saying to Kyle off air before that the last note that I wrote down in my pad as I was writing, watching the movie was um, what a beautiful movie. And it really is a beautiful film. It's a film that it's an emotional ride. I mean, there are moments in the film that made me incredibly anxious. Um, there are moments in the film that made me incredibly frustrated at, at, at Levi and some of the decisions he was making, but it's all part of, of a journey that I think really um, exemplifies the life that um, how sometimes life can get messy, life can get complicated. And, and, but at the end of the day, um, if you just call out to those who, who you love and reach out to those who can help you, life can be um, a really amazing thing as well, um, even in the darkest of times. And um, Kyle Bolton, I just want to say thank you so very much for your time today. Thank you for your film. Um, and best of luck with the film's release. It's been a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you, Matthew. It has been as well.